Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. It is a new year, so how about a new you? That's right, how about some new clothes from Leon Tailoring? Something ready-made, something custom-made, or something tailor-made. No matter what it is that you're looking for, they can put it together for you at Leon Tailoring. Or maybe you have goals to lose some weight and the clothes don't fit as well as they used to. Well, Leon Tailoring can take care of that. Or maybe you gained a couple of pounds over the holiday season. Well, Leon Tailoring, they can take care of that too. Notice the pattern here, Leon Tailoring, they can sort of take care of everything. So swing on by Leon Tailoring, say hi to Larry, Kim, and Judy, and tell them Abdul's Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware and downtown Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Good afternoon, everyone, and thanks for coming out as we embark on a joint legislative push with all state house Democrats. Whether you live in rural, suburban, or uh, urban Indiana, it's just too expensive to be a Hoosier. It's not because Hoosiers aren't working hard enough or making uh, poor financial decisions. It's because a system created by nearly two decades of one-party Republican rule has never worked in our Hoosier citizens' best interest. Quite simply, Hoosiers do not have economic freedom. To State House Democrats, the problems of Hoosiers statewide call for more time spent here than just the bare minimum. For years, this body has been afflicted by a disease it's a disease of inaction. That there is never enough time to do big things for Hoosiers. To all the Hoosiers working long hours and multiple jobs, we say there's plenty of time for you. Today, Senator Yoder, Representative Cryer, Representative Fleming, Senator Hunley, and Senator Taylor will each speak about a problem Hoosiers are facing and offer up a solution. We always aim to be pragmatic problem solvers, and that is the whole point of this joint agenda and joint effort. Hoosiers need to know that Indiana Democrats are the party of hard work, and Indiana Democrats are standing up for hard workers. To be clear, many more House and Senate Democrats have worked on these issues than are speaking today, and you'll hear from them all on these issues throughout session. I want to let all Hoosiers, urban, suburban, and rural, know that there are legisla legislators fighting to protect your hard-earned cash here in our state capital. Your problems matter and demand solutions. The difficulty you're having balancing your budget or paying your bills at the pharmacy, that's a problem for State House Democrats. We know that families just want to have funds. Additionally, we need to ensure that all future children reach a proficient reading level. That way, their future opportunities are multiplied, not diminished. Before I hand things over to Senator Shelley Yoder, I want to make one final thing clear. Today is not the last day you will hear State House Democrats t talking about these key issues. We intend to force as many votes as possible throughout session so that State House Republicans have as many chances as possible to say yes to Hoosiers and no to wealthy special interests. Thank you. Senator Yoder. <coughs> Thank you, Leader, Leader Giaquinta. Today, we also want to discuss the issue of affordable, quality childcare. We are happy to see that finally, after Democrats have been pushing for a childcare plan and system for Hoosiers, 
the Republicans are finally listening. It is no secret that this is a pervasive issue across Indiana. Whether we are discussing workforce issues, land use issues, or public health, aid for families is needed. And this issue comes up again and again. And that's not surprising, because just listen to the facts. Statewide, 45% of children live in a childcare desert. That's four out of 10 children. And our shortages are at the provider level, and that is pervasive across Indiana. Currently, providers are only able to accommodate about 41% of the half million children who need childcare, meaning that 600,000 parents are left with no options. Even when childcare is available, costs consume, co costs continue to be a barrier. According to the Economic Policy Institute, the average monthly cost of infant care in Indiana is over $1,000 per month. Indiana ranks 18th out of 50 when it comes to childcare costs. Ultimately, nearly 60% of parents must cut work hours or leave the workforce altogether to care for their children, and that has present implications and future implications for parents. The result? Indiana loses about $1.1 billion in economic activity as a result and $118 million in tax revenue annually because of the childcare issue. It's also worth noting that only 17%, only 17% of childcare centers in this state qualify as high quality. Across the board, in every area, childcare is an issue for everyone. During the interim, we heard both the interim study committee in public health and the land use task force that the current childcare availability is not working for parents, employers, and providers. Significant structural change is needed if Indiana wants to address this problem. We know the current state of children in Indiana. We now have, we now know that Families are hurting, and it's hard to make a living, as leader Giaguenta pointed out. This state needs a childcare system, not a Band-Aid, not micro-pilots. We need a system, we need a plan. Hours of committee time have been spent on this topic, and experts again and again, and those experts are our childcare providers. They've told us what they need and how to address this problem, to bolster our economy and to aid Hoosier parents. And it's time to push up our sleeves and make real progress. A state that works for everyone should have a childcare system that works for Hoosiers trying to provide for their families. That's why Democrats have a number of bills in the House and Senate to tackle the issue of childcare. We will be pushing for expanded eligibility for childcare increased support for providers, the adoption of a universal pre-K program, and proper funding to support a childcare system that Hoosiers deserve. We hope our colleagues across the aisle 
are finally interested in seriously addressing this pressing issue of childcare on behalf of Hoosiers and funding it like it's the critical issue that it is. And now Representative Pryor is going to share with us about a few other serious priorities. Good afternoon and thank you, Senator Wilder. Owning a home is a fundamental part of the American dream. Homeowners willingly sign up for the standard ups and downs of owning a home, like making the growth, like marking the growth of your child on a door frame, or having a breakout, or having to break out the toolbox or checkbook to fix that door frame if a hinge comes, comes loose. While the tough Hoosier spirit can weather these ups and downs, our property tax system cannot weather swings in valuation. For years, we have seen a steady climb in property taxes that places an undue burden on our Hoosier households, homeowners. I'm here today to talk about the need to relieve some of the intense financial pressure on Hoosiers by property taxes. On Monday, I talked briefly about this issue in the House Democratic Economic Freedom Agenda press conference. And I'm here today because the Senate Democrats share our resolute desire to bring property tax relief to Indiana. It's simply that important. As a former employee of the Marion County Auditor and Treasurer's Office, I saw firsthand much of the rising cost of housing and property taxes and how it impacted the lives of Hoosiers. Instead of putting savings to send children to college or take care of a sick parent, working families are forced to shell out an ever-increasing property tax payment. Property tax bills statewide averaged 18% higher last year than the previous year. Let's give Hoosiers a $250 credit on their first tax bill of 2025, entirely funded by the state surplus. This is the simplest way to provide this relief without cutting into the budget of local governments and public schools. We have the funds in the surplus to do this, as our state surplus, surplus is nearly $3 billion, and this will only cost $460 million. If the trends of the past years have shown us anything, property taxes continue to climb. We need to give more relief than what we did last year. If homeowners, young and old, cannot afford to stay in their homes, that is a significant impediment to the continued economic success of our state. I'm glad to be working with our colleagues in the Senate to offer a clear and helpful solution to this problem. I look forward to putting our heads together as not only Democrats, but community leaders, state legislators, and most of all, proud citizens of Indiana. Let's cut Hoosiers homeowners 
a better deal. Let's cut them a break. Thank you, and now I'll turn it over to Representative Rita Flynn. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here. In 1922, Frederick Best, Charles Banting, and J.J. Armitage discovered insulin. A little over 100 years, the lives of people who would have died without insulin could now have the promise of living a longer life. Insulin is necessary for type 1 diabetics. They will die without it. It is that simple. They sold the patent for $1 because they recognized that this was a life-saving drug and they said it belongs not to us but to the world. Now we pay a heavy price for insulin. Today a vial of insulin costs about $10 to make but can cost over $100. Other life-saving drugs, like an EpiPen, cost $30 to produce but cost more than $200 that amount. And albuterol used to treat asthmatics cost about 15 cents to produce but is sold for more than 100 times that. I know about struggling with diabetes. My nephew was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at age 2. He has lived with this all of his life. And he struggled to pay for his insulin between jobs. And I could see the complications start to grow in this young man. This is a reality. In 2023, AARP found that one in five older adults use cost-cutting strategies. They either don't fill their drugs or they change the doses, taking less than they need in, because they cannot afford it. Sometimes this can be fatal. Swings in blood pressure can cause blindness, uh, heart problems, other complications. I'm an OBGYN. I delivered women who had type 1 diabetes. It was critical that before the pregnancy and early, the first six weeks, that women had tight control of their diabetes with insulin. We knew that there were fewer miscarriage, there was less heart defects, spine defects in women with good control. And when those pregnancies continued, less risk of stillbirth, less risk of preeclampsia, all of these things that can be devastating for mothers and babies. Yet it was a struggle for many to afford it. It does cost a lot to research, develop, and market drugs. But it's so disproportionate when the cost of the drug far exceeds that. There's been a little progress. Eli Lilly did half the cost of a vial of insulin at $35. And federal law now dictates the same. $35 for insulin for those 65 and older. But that's a very small part. If your vision is failing because of diabetes, you need pre-measured syringes to accurately dose your insulin. Those are hugely expensive, far more than $35. State Democrats are devoted to lowering prescription drug prices. We are going to propose legislation to cap the price of prescription drugs. We propose cap the price of insulin at $35. The price of albuterol for asthma at 
and for those with severe life-threatening allergies, the price of EpiPens at $25. It's time that we return to the spirit of best and banting. Insulin belongs to the world. Thank you. Thank you, Representative Fleming. The issue of children's literacy has quickly risen to the top of the agenda this session. But what we should know, and what teachers and educators have been telling us, is that this is not a new problem. The number of students who do not pass IRE 3 has more than doubled since 2012. And last year, over 18% of our third graders did not meet state literacy standards. That's nearly one in five of our Hoosier children who are not learning how to read on their own at this critical juncture in childhood. But I want to be clear about two things. First, every single lawmaker, educator, and parent that I've spoken with about this issue in and out of this building agrees that this is a widespread and an urgent problem that needs our attention right now. Nobody is under the illusion that our system is working. It's not. But second, this problem is not presented itself in isolation from the many other challenges that are facing our education system. We have increased absenteeism among students, overstretched teachers, and under-resourced public schools. And so we would be remiss if we failed to acknowledge the impact of the pandemic as well. For our third graders, those kids that are currently sitting in our classrooms who are going to be taking their iRead assessments very soon, those same children are the ones who were on this course through their formative years early in the classroom that were made very challenging and sometimes quite impossible by the conditions of the pandemic, those school closures and online learning. And so I think that we as lawmakers, we need to acknowledge that we too can be part of this problem, all these challenges that our schools and our students are facing. For years, our teachers have been trying to build the foundational skills of literacy in our children on top of the shifting sands of changing policy and new expectations that are coming out of this building over and over. And when we return session after session to throw out new benchmarks and new goalposts, we can hardly be surprised that our system is struggling to meet them. And that's why I'm joining my House colleagues today in support of their proposal for a five-year commission with our Department of Education to track progress and implementation of education standards and policies. Take just one example. Last year, we worked together across the political aisle and with experts in public education to pass new legislation around the science of reading. We asked our schools less than a year ago to make a major transition in the way that we teach children to read, moving towards a research and science-based model that's been proven to work. Now, I know that the teachers that I work with and the school leaders that I've learned from believe in this new system, but they need time to make it work in their schools and in their classrooms. They need time. These changes don't happen overnight. And frankly, we as lawmakers need to be clear-eyed ourselves about the prospect of solving these literacy problems in a flash. But we should not be afraid to interrogate the issue, follow the data, where it leads. We'll be faced with hard choices this session and necessary reforms when it comes to addressing literacy. But our solutions must be proactive and not punitive. 
I'm optimistic that we will find a path to a solution for our growing literacy crisis that does not amount to punishing children or depriving educators of the time and resources that they need to focus on the true task at hand, which is the daily work of teaching, the daily work of pushing our children to an approach so that they can tackle the world with a curious mind and the skills that they need, literacy first among them, to explore the world and to succeed. I want to thank my House colleagues and my fellow Senate caucus members and all of you for your attention to this vital issue. Let's make this crisis an opportunity to do right by our schools, to do right by our teachers, and most importantly, to do right by our children. And now I welcome up Leader Taylor. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Over and over again, issues that are popular with users go unheard in the Indiana General Assembly. However, during that same time, the supermajority has the ability to bring up unpopular proposals and make it harder for Hoosiers to thrive, especially under the conditions that we've created. Let me give you a few examples. In the case of abortion, we know that over 56% of Hoosiers support some access to abortion. However, Hoosiers that testified in Senate on Senator Rollback 1 from this uh, past year understood that the Indian General Assembly was going to make a decision, but it was not the decision for a majority of Hoosiers. Marijuana, cannabis, over 85%, let me repeat that, over 85% support some sort of responsible cannabis legislation. Yet this policy, for some reason, continues to be ignored year after year and study after study. Just a few years ago, we talked about redistricting. And the 2020 report, 2021 report, bipartisan report from the Indiana Citizens Redistricting Commission and the public hearings that were held across the state, all the districts said that they supported competitive elections, keeping communities of interest together, divide, not dividing cities and counties into a few districts that don't represent or don't have anything in common. And they wanted a transparent process that gives the public the real opportunity to participate. However, in Indiana, we passed maps that contradicted what Hoosiers explicitly asked for. Even in the case of an environmental action, for the first time, a majority of Hoosiers, over 50%, said they care more about the environment, environmental protections than economic development. And here we go again, and we find ourselves in a situation where the environment is under scrutiny. Over and over again, we look at the views of Hoosiers and the actions of the supermajority, and they contradict each other. These policies that Hoosiers support and want to see become law are consistently ignored. State House Democrats are simply fighting to give the power back to we the people. So if they have a voice 
on the laws that dictate their everyday lives. At the time when we're dealing with an affordability crisis, where our students are struggling to pass different standards, and when our laws directly conflict with Hoosiers, what Hoosiers want, there's no question that ballot measures are necessary in Indiana. It's time for the will and the wishes of we the people, the Hoosiers of the state of Indiana, to finally be realized and finally start to take precedent and leave the politicians and the politics up to the politicians. At this time, we're going to uh, open up the floor for questions for many of you. So, uh, please say who you're hoping to ask the question yes, to as please. well. Um, I was actually hoping to get Senator Yoder. I didn't know if you'd had a chance yet. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.